I really thought that the New York Times would have destroyed um, every vestige of that percent chance of winning meter thing after after last year. You would have thought so, but no, it, it, it's back. I think it's literally the same one. I mean, probably. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, it seems ill advised. I did kind of like that it like it had a because I did um last year I only saw it because they were not my primary source of like tracking election results. So you you decide I only saw it when you sent me a picture of it and it just uh, said ninety nine percent chance of winning. But this one I do like that it says. Um, so-and-so has this percent chance of winning, but other person has options or something. So that was pretty good. But, but it would, you'd really think they would have at least redesigned it so it didn't look exactly the same, so people didn't get like some weird like terror flashbacks. Won't really be flashbacks, because like, life is still terrible now, but it's not I've, over. I've still, I've still saved that photo that I sent you. It's still on my iPhone camera roll. Um, but no, I didn't with the Alabama special election last night, which is what we're kind of vaguely referencing here. I, I did not, did not follow the, the upshot. Uh, it was five thirty eight was my, uh, live blog of choice. I, I made the mistake of uh, just turning on CNN because currently oh, my, mm-mm, mm-mm. cause the problem is my, my TiVo is not connected to my TV because my, my TV is still on the dining room table. <laughs> That's going to fix itself tomorrow. But, um, so yeah, CNN is one of the few people that's not Fox News that has an Apple TV app, so that I could watch that. And, and it's, it, yeah, it's not very, it's not very good. It's, it's, it's not very good. No, it's just I like, and I like Jake Tapper. It's just, it's just a lot of people. Like they had one of the one of their um, four main like correspondents or pundits for the night was Rick Santorum, and I was like, oh, oh god. And then John King was just over there for three hours tapping on like the sponsored by Microsoft. <laughs> loves he love he loves that big that big interactive screen. It didn't crash like or, I mean it, it was it was very reliable and there was a big Microsoft logo at the bottom. Um, but yeah, it, uh, congrats on not not electing a child molester or something like that's congrats. Yeah, the 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 the, the child molester uh, lost by a percentage and a half. Well, well, well done, America. Yeah. Democrats, Democrats should be super psyched. <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna move on because it's a happy show. It's it's, it's our end of the. Uh, let the uh, I mean it sincerely that I say the holidays are always a really fun time. That's true. No, that that's very true. Okay, and then this is before we get into because this is basically going to be a show, basically entirely a follow up, um, or or stuff we've talked about in the past couple of weeks um, that requires further attention. But the one thing. When I was working earlier today, I stopped into a coffee shop uh, to get a little work done somewhere else. And oh, you're God! You're one of those. I forgot again. You need okay. <laughs> We've discussed this at length, but you're, you're... we have, and I, I don't want to revisit. Yeah, this. you're wrong that you don't think that changing your surroundings, like I... okay. So I have a question. How? Because this applies in your workplace. This applies to you, or this is a much more appropriate question for you than than focusing inward. How many people in your office have tape or a sticker covering the camera on their laptop? Hmm. Ballpark percentage. I, I'd say it's probably 50-50. Do you think that's high or low? And I don't even know what I mean by that. But Well, yeah. No, I mean, I guess I, I, mean, I could base it versus previous jobs. And I no. would say... Because I think a lot of it is kind well, of the well, past couple of years. Because I think this is a thing over time. Oh, I um, I guess I I guess I haven't paid that close attention. Do you? 
No. Would you? Is it something you've never even probably, thought probably to? Probably not. No, I've never even thought to. What do you think of people who do? I, I don't really have strong feelings one way or the other. Do you th- okay. Do you think it's tinfoil hatty at all? Or do you think it's a reasonable... Do you th- like? Yeah, give, give me more on this, because I, I, I want to know. Because you, you're somebody who's... You, you're, you work for a, like a, a fairly like techie tech company, and, but you're more... like You're interested in, in technology and stuff, but you're not like deep into it does that make sense i'm not a developer there uh, that that's a much more succinct way of putting it <laughs> um i mean it's a little tin foil hatty i think sure but i don't know i just not in a not in such an extreme way that it it, it bothers me in any way like I, I don't really judge people for doing it hmm. okay yeah I, I don't either but i've i found it surprisingly more commonplace over the past year and like with like a lot of people who maybe you wouldn't think would do it i don't know i mean i'm also definitely not a (laughs) a a good use case for this considering that i'm someone who had a connect in his home for many years and i currently have a canary home security system literally pointing at me right now so yeah and and you voluntarily bugged yourself for the amazon corporation (laughs) oh yeah and in three rooms in my like (laughs) <laughs> five room apartment yeah exactly you have five rooms well i mean <laughs> hold on let's let's talk about this well okay well let's see so <laughs> you've got the living you've got the living room you've got the bedroom you've got the kitchen the kitchen doesn't count as a room unless it has a door where it's completely enclosed and you could take a nap in there and somebody else would not bother you well okay i guess there's only it's bedroom and living room and that's it <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, that's, I've got three, you have one, three, three you have ladies in a can in two rooms. There we go. Uh, how how many echoes accidentally get uh, get triggered when you say something fairly loudly? Well, there, it's pretty good now with the detection of which one's closest. So only one responds most of the time. I, I don't remember the last time that more than one tried to respond to the same query. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good at that. Yeah. Although it is weird because when you stand in the hallway, I would say most of the time you're a bit closer to the the living room echo here than you are to the bedroom dot, but the bedroom dot will go off more frequently, which is weird because I would think that microphone and the echo would be better, but yeah yeah i would say like like the the dot in the kitchen for me is fairly sensitive, but the thing is it will they'll both wake up, but the um the dot will the one that you're not closest to will like shut itself off without before it actually responds. Right, it's pretty good. Okay, all right, let's get let's get into follow up. So, uh, Lumoid, which is a company that I recommended a few months ago after I rented a camera from them, and that snowballed into a whole terrible mess of a very costly mess. Uh, they have uh, shut their doors. They have been winding down uh, their operations over the past couple months. They had a partnership with Best Buy that was like announced like about a year ago, and they weren't able to scale up to what they needed. So yeah, so that uh, camera and electronics rental company is no longer, which is a bummer. Well, it's a good thing that you've purchased and no longer rely on renting. Well, yeah, but, th- but that means they were kind of like my... They, I'm going to make some bad analogies, so I'm going to move past that. They, 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 they're, yeah, they, they were enablers. They, they were also pushers. <laughs> through, the, through the availability yeah everybody's a pusher mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 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 what push um, 
Yeah, this is this is too bad. Although, I mean, when you described it to me before, when you rented that camera for one of your trips, it it definitely sounded like a neat idea. But I was skeptical of the the business. Well, well, no. So that's the thing. Like, this is still a totally valid and viable business. It's just that um, there's a website like the 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 big like the Amazon of this space is uh, lensrentals.com. It's like, no, there's totally money to be made here. It's just that Lens Rentals merged with somebody else. And just with their size, it wasn't it wasn't competitive. Got okay, got yeah, it. No, so it's, this is still a place to make money. But um mm. yeah. But Lumoid was I, just, I would never yeah, I would never I would never think to rent electronics. I just I don't know. There's something about that that doesn't click with me. I think with cameras specifically, just because like the particular camera I rented, which at the time when it was new was $2,800. Like it's, that's, no matter how much research you can do, it's really hard to see if it's right for you without living with it for a couple of days. And I don't know, like I have a little bit, like I don't, I feel very like nervous or like wary about ever buying something where I don't think there's an 80% chance I'm going to keep it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I that that does make a lot of sense, especially in an era where finding quality reviews is yeah. somewhat problematic. I, th- I think with cameras, it's a little bit less of a problem because you have sites like what? What am I thinking of? Uh, deep. Well, there's a digital photography review, which was bought by Amazon, but is still kind yeah. of the gold standard for impartiality. So Amazon hasn't really gotten into it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, because, yeah, with phones and stuff, like, you kind of have to, like, I, I know this is kind of like us exi- living within, like, the T-word stuff, but, like, you, you we kind of know what, like, not biases, but, like, kind of what the point of view that a reviewer would have. And, like, you have to think, like, a lot of people just go to, like, CNET, which, like, who would trust a phone? Like, I don't even know what they would review. No, it's totally true. And, like, I, I, I would never, ever, like, look at someone, and, and these are people I really like and respect but like i would never look to gruber or i mean really even to like mike or jason or any of those guys for like an iphone review it's like i i, I know they're gonna love it i mean it's just like you know they they'll, they'll have the, they'll have their criticisms but it's not you know i don't know it's not gonna be it's not gonna be all that insightful yeah because like with with them or the people who kind of again like if yeah, like it's very difficult. Like, like there's no like food reviewer. There's no who, who's the who's the New York Times food reviewer. I only know their uh, movie critic, but like it's kind of like with phones and that type of stuff. Like you kind of you've picked you've picked a party or you picked a side, and like the people who are more on like Apple's team, and I don't mean that like in a bad way, like um, Panzerino and Gruber and Snell. Like you're getting good observations and perspective but like they're like it, nobody's ever going to say it's a bad phone right like i i really want to kind of go back to the 5c reviews and see kind of what that was not that that was a bad phone but it was kind of a weird phone and i think apple probably thinks overall it was kind of a mistake right but anyway yeah lumoid was it was weird and also the thing that separated them from lens rentals and stuff like that was that they um they also wanted to rent and, and i guess this is maybe the like, sketch like not sketchy uh more questionable part of their business model in terms of like uh roi and like actually making it a profitable business was that you could also rent wearables and like headphones and stuff like that that's the part that was weirder 
just because that stuff isn't really expensive enough to like, you really want to know what you're getting into when you're getting a $3,000 camera. But if you're maybe taking a gamble on like which Fitbit you like, I think that's harder. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. Anyway, rest in peace. I'm sorry that the chef special did him in. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Who's yeah. Isn't there, isn't there a thing where like there's a curse where, if, Oh, you were talking about the John Madden thing, the John Madden curse. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sorry. What is that? Your career goes to crap if you're featured on the cover. Is that basically the deal? Uh, kind of. It's more specific to the season after you're on the cover. You either get really hurt or you just have a really bad season. Oh, There's geez. like a, a handful of examples where that's happened. Oh, poor guys. Um. All right. And then next up, 4K Apple TV screensavers. So I guess I need to ask you, like, what else do you want to wish for? Because I think like within two days of our show coming out, um, I didn't know we were this. We didn't have this much uh, sway in, in in Apple or in Cupertino, but within a couple of days, there were like ten new screensavers. Yeah, Tim. Tim's a big fan of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he he listens. In. Our customer sat's pretty good with him. Right. Um. But yeah, and oh, and there, it's special. Uh, special for you. There's one that has the Staples Center in it. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, so it's it's pretty good. There, so there was um, there was the beach one, which is pretty cool. Um, and then yeah, there's a couple new Los Angeles ones. There's a whole, I think there's a few like in South America. Uh, no, it's it's pretty good. There's a whole bunch. Yeah, the the I think it's a nine to five Mac article that I linked to in the thing and that we'll put in the notes. They they had made some comment in there that the majority of screensavers from the previous Apple TV were ported over. They totally weren't. Well, well like all the San Francisco ones are gone and there were like six of those. And the, um, Oh, and I guess, well, no, maybe, yeah, maybe I misread this cause it says there are now a total of 14 aerial videos in the Apple TV 4k rotation up from nine at launch. However, this number still dwarfs the selection offered on the older models. The older models pick from a random selection of over 50 videos. So no, you're, you're, you're totally right. Yeah, because I, I missed the, the San Francisco ones, and I also really liked the um, the New York uh, Times Square one and the Central Park one. I mean, 4K video just doesn't grow on trees, man. It's, you know, it's expensive stuff. It's, it's, it's only a $159 box. What do you expect? Isn't it 179 God, is 4K it? 4K Apple t- I just assume it's, uh, it's, it's, it's it costs two Bitcoin. <laughs> Don't get me. Okay, nope. <laughs> Uh, and it is 179 and that 64 gig model still exists for no good reason and it, the difference in price is 20 dollars. why are they even doing this i thought it was 159 for the 32 and 179 for the 64 no it's i i i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure it's 159 for the old one because oh, okay. they didn't drop the price got it and that it's 149 oh you know what's really annoying is so i set up i had an older apple tv it was like the third generation it was the the hockey puck like the small hockey puck that then got the it's the last 10-8. one before the new one like in terms of it doesn't it doesn't run tv os it runs old os right it 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 it's it's the one that it's the one before tv os yeah so it does not run tv os um and what's super annoying about that is you know how there's that really handy apple tv remote function and control center as part of ios 11 mm-hmm it doesn't support those old Apple TVs. It only supports Apple TVs that run tvOS. Well, yeah, buy the new one, you bum. 
Sorry, I'm quoting. Tim well, I, here. I, I sold I sold my old one that ran TVOS when I bought the 4K Apple TV. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It's a minor minor complaint, but it's annoying because I have to go into the TV Apple TV remote app and control it from there. Then it works fine. Yeah, life goes on. Um, I am what is there? Okay, well, let's let's have a, a a slight detour to talking about uh selling old electronics. Um, is there any value? Like, should I just? I have two of the of the Apple TV that you're talking about. About the one right before TVOS, the ones when they were down to sixty nine dollars, mm-hmm. like in 2015. That seems not worth selling on Amazon or on uh, eBay. It's like, what do I do with it? Well, I mean, it, it, it's really easy to determine whether something's worth selling on eBay or not, because eBay has a feature where, I mean, obviously you can search for the product, but then after you've searched for a product, you can filter results by uh, com- uh, used items, and then you can further filter for sold listings, and you can see what they've been selling for. Well, no, I just mean, so if it retails for $69 new, and it's like <laughs> been used for two years... And then I have to go to the post office and ship it. It's just kind of like, sorry, what is the price where it's actually worth it? Well, sure. Yeah. Because like, like at the end, what am I going to net? 20 bucks? I don't know. There was some weird Apple TV. I think it might have even been the version before that. where We, we talked about this on the show that I, I ended up selling mine, I think, for more than I bought it for. Because there was some weird jailbreak that people wanted them for. And so they were willing to spend a lot of money on them. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 worth, it's worth checking. Yeah. Uh, quick endorsement slash cautionary tale. I think in the past I've I've recommended people sell stuff because, um, you know, on the Amazon webpage uh, for any product, um, you can there's a little thing where it says, like, have one to sell. Um, I've been a big proponent of doing that, but I found a, uh, a drawback, which I did not know about. Uh, the stuff you sell has a return policy. Oh, <laughs> news to me. Um so yeah, the guy who bought my Nest Cam apparently says he bought it by accident, and so now I have to take it back. Oh. Hmm. Um, also, I got a canary instead, and I hate it too. So I I don't know what to do with what this. Do you, what do you hate about the canary? It's so slow. Like, it, it takes a year to connect, and I just don't like it. And whatever You mean ne- when, you, when you connect to the camera remotely? Yes. They, it takes they like did. a full 10 seconds, and, I, and the Nest was like within three. Canary used to be slower with that, but they put out an update some number of months ago now where that was a big focus, and I've I found it to be it's relatively quick. I guess I've never like put it on a stopwatch or anything, but and and it also makes the world's loudest noise when it's going into night vision mode. What really? Yeah, like tur- when you turn off the lights tonight and it goes into night mode, you'll hear this like this like it's like somebody snapping their fingers. Huh. Interesting. I, I actually don't think I, I haven't re-enabled night mode since they, <laughs> since they <laughs> took it away from you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I should. I should do that. Um, I've never noticed that, though. And this is something I, I think I told you online, offline. But um, it's it's very curious and interesting that um, I was I was doing some research when I was like, because I was kind of over the Nest Cam just because like it, it was useless unless you paid ten dollars a month. Like literally all you could do, you'd get a push notification that says, hey, uh, the um, the Nest thinks it saw something, and it only lets you watch live. So it's literally useless. Um, so I was researching the Canary to try to see, like, oh, maybe it's gotten better since I last tried it. And their reviews are, uh, like, two and a half or three stars across the board. 
mainly tanked just because everybody was so mad about the um the, the whole like uh like two months ago when they took away a bunch of the features because they needed more subscription revenue right and i get that but it is kind of a bummer that that like that's not a true representation of the product as is like i know they did something kind of crappy and like i mean because it's 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 tricky like you you want a company to survive like if maybe there's not making enough money and eventually like if just without the subscription revenue like if they're not able to stay afloat then like yeah your product is worse off so maybe they did what they had to do but since they've gone back on that the reviews don't really recover and that's i don't know that's just it's not for to somebody buying today it's not an accurate representation of the product which is which is kind of lame I cannot believe you're suggesting that internet reviews might not be all that useful. I'm <laughs> I'm sh- I'm shocked by that. I'm tired, so I don't remember if we if we talked about that 15 minutes ago or that was a different episode. Well, we well we did, were, like, did, we, did we, we talked just about, talk about like this? well we talked about reviews reviews like air quotes professional reviews, but I oh we're, yeah we're, we're talking now about like customer reviews. Oh no, hmm. this is tricky. Like or this is one thing that yeah I, I get super mad about. Um, is yeah, Amazon reviews particular. So there's, there's two, it's twofold. First, there's the Amazon vine program, which I, we might've talked about before where they, they not used to, they still give away, um, manufacturer can seed products of something new or something that's maybe not getting a lot of attention on the site to people. And they give it away for free to some top reviewers. And then they write a review of it. And up until like a year ago, uh, Amazon didn't note in any way that they actually got a free product. So now they do, and you'll see like in green writing above the review, it'll say this is a review of a free or like courtesy product. So those are weird because you're kind of seeding and padding reviews. And here's the thing, like I'm, I, it could be a very good product, but I think that's, I don't know, it's slightly iffy. But then you have the other thing where I don't know how manufacturers do it because I don't know if it's entirely illegitimate reviews like or like they're like bots or like they're just totally fake or or if it's kind of like i don't know how they've exerted pressure on the customer to get thousands of reviews for a product that either is maybe not good or like there's just no way this number of people are organically giving this many five-star reviews i just yeah i just generally don't trust (laughs) customer reviews on the internet as a standing policy yeah, some of them are pretty good. Like uh, Merlin used to have uh, a really good review of the the new Nest Cam IQ until I think uh, Amazon took all the Google stuff off the off their store. Well, I mean Merlin's not some random guy on the internet though. No, I know, but he he had a yeah. Um it's pretty good. I think he had the most uh you know, like you know, it, is it Amazon that has the thing where it says uh show me the most um the most useful critical review? Yeah. See, those are good. That, that, that yeah right yeah that's that's definitely a step in the right direction yeah top oh hey wait uh no, no i'm looking at the echo right now but yeah that's pretty good but that still means that the the overall star rating is probably bs right <sighs> okay um what were we talking about oh yeah 4k apple tv <laughs> yeah yeah let's, let's uh, go ahead let's go ahead and get started <laughs> so i do like uh i totally until i saw that it was the staple center I did not know that was L.A. It looked like I thought it was some dreary place somewhere else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, all right. What do we got next? 
So I well, I think we've skipped over the biggest piece of FU, which oh, is we? the the OLED stuff. You, you said you had lot, lots of OLED and home theater follow up that I'm I'm super curious about. Oh no, I have very little. I think you have lots of it. Um, not not really. Well, so first, okay, so this this falls into a couple of things. So I've I've uncollapsed my notes that are conveniently hidden from you. So. Uh, first up, I want to know if you have calibrated or done anything to your TV. I have not. Other than turn off the, that annoying, like true motion thing. Um, that's the only, yeah, that's the only, um, that's really the only thing I've done. So here's what you got to do. You need to, uh, probably not right now, unless you have the remote nearby, you need to go to the picture settings. There's a lot of stuff that you should change. And there's a website, uh, R-T-I-N-G-S, uh, dot com which uh, ratings without the A, uh, that does TV reviews. And they have, um, actually, ooh, the very first uh, link on their page is uh, how to customize your LG C7 OLED TV. So their um, settings are a good starting point. The only one that I would say you need to do immediately is one of the first um, settings is uh, OLED light. And that comes at an I eyeball or retina searing 100 out of 100 <laughs> out of the box kind of like it's because and here's the thing like when you first turn on the tv it says like am i in a retail store or am i at home and normally it's only like the retail demo mode where it does all the stuff where it like just jacks up the brightness uh but on this one yeah turn that down to like 20 and that eliminates that eliminates the problem like remember when i was talking about where like if you change the volume like that is just so blindingly white regardless of your what you're watching it fixes that. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I have noticed that sometimes, especially when we have the lights turned down, that the screen does seem too bright. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I should tweak that. And the thing is, like, it, it create like the contrast and like skin tones and stuff out of the box. If you leave that that high, is totally wrong. So I would do that. I would drop uh, contrast down to about eighty, brightness halfway. Like, cause, it, cause there's OLED light, and then there's also brightness. That one around fifty is fine then turn off like the extra contrast stuff and the um uh like clarity smoothing but yeah and also like like you mentioned the first thing you did is, is turn off that 240 hertz or what, whatever the thing that makes it look like everything was shot on like a sony camcorder from 1999 yeah you know one thing so i this is a whole different topic but i just i put it out there we can maybe come back to this like next week or something if, if we have any interest but so your apple tv put out that update with for the 4k version anyway that you can do the like match dynamic range and match frame rate yeah the syracuse setting yeah so I, I turned on the match frame rate setting and then uh the lady friend and i watched uh the force awakens here this last weekend in, in preparation for the last jedi this week and i don't know like it, it, it when i it seemed it seemed to it's the, like it just the motion looked weird when I had that setting turned on and like, it looked too smooth. Like it looked like it, it looked like it was doing the whole, you know, 120 Hertz thing, which I don't think is the native frame rate of that movie. So I don't know. You, you I, they, might have it misconfigured. Cause yeah, most people aren't used to watching 24 frame video outside of a theater. So hmm, it shouldn't be that dramatic a difference. It should look, a, it should look better but slightly different from regular TV. So if you think it was too smooth, then I think you something's wrong. 
I think maybe the Apple TV is trying to like upconvert to 60 frames a second, which is maybe doing what you not what you definitely don't want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. I, I have. I have no idea. And I and I didn't. You know. I it, it wasn't like I was going to be that guy and <laughs> pause, pause the movie halfway through and be like, hey, hold on, I'm going to mess with the settings here. Well, no. Just just suggest, suggest you get more snacks and then just <laughs> jump into the to the settings to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And I, I have. I, I I've been meaning to this week to like turn that off and then maybe watch a scene or two just to compare but i, I haven't haven't gone back to it anyway sorry i'm, I'm de- derailing your conversation oh no that, that was most of it so yeah so turn so again like the two biggest things because i assume everybody who's who watched the show since we are again the official oled lobbyists uh, <laughs> oh did i tell you about my the the stupid gambit i did to get this tv cheaper oh no i, I definitely want to hear this okay so was it did you did you buy it from the uk <laughs> No, I didn't buy a gray mark. That is a big. Th- oh, God, this is gonna be the longest. Okay, this is all over the place. Well, I'm making making a reference to my my Harmony Elite. Purchase. Well, no, because that's the thing. Gray market electronics are a legitimate. Well, this, wasn't all, this, this wasn't on the gray market. Let's kind don't... of is. No, I, I bought it on Amazon dot EU or whatever it was. Dot <laughs> uh, Brexit. Um, <laughs> right. Is that a TLD yet? Probably. Um, probably. Probably. They got dot pizza. Um. Are we sponsored by Hover this week? Uh, not this week, no. Damn. Okay. That's Squarespace again. Squarespace <laughs> has too many slogans. Um, what are we talking about? Yeah, Gray Mark Electronics. Because when I was when I was looking for additional lenses for the this new fancy camera, um, I was looking on eBay because I think I asked you about this. Like, how much of a discount would you accept, or like, do you require before you look to like non traditional retailers? And I think your response was not that much. And that, that was yeah, not... no, not not if you're not if you're buying new. But how do but how do you know? Now you look at their, their eBay ratings. Uh, but but again, we just talked about fake reviews. Uh, I think eBay ratings are generally pretty accurate. Yeah, but apparently you so... can't you can't just go in and give someone a positive review unless you've bought something from them. Well, no, that's that's also a thing where you can. And this is this has been going on for decades, where you can sell and do like quick transactions for like virtual items, and just say this is fifty cents, and oh, you shit. and somebody else coordinate. Oh. Everything has been perverted. Everything oh. you think. This is why Taylor Swift had. I'm, I'm screwed. All I'm getting off the internet. <laughs> this is why Taylor Swift had to do the thing to prove who has the most loyal fans. Um, you should, people should go look that up. There's a thing where she, how many, oh shit, how many points? I heard. I heard about that. Uh, we'll slowly get back to whatever we, oh, well, I do whatever we're talking about, but no, yeah, people should look into it. Vice news had a good thing about, um, how she made people like if, if you pre-ordered her album and did other stuff and did like Taylor Swift trivia, you got to do like a pre-sale so that like, it wasn't just all like ticket bot scalpers. Like it, it's actually very, very interesting. So people should go look at that. Um, what was it time about before that? Oh yeah, the eBay thing. So no, people will like just they'll get in cahoots with somebody else and they'll like sell you a fifty cent thing just so you can just uh, start generating false feedback. So it costs you like ten bucks to get maybe like fifty um, positive ratings. So that way, if you want to be shady or do something sketchy with somebody, you totally can just you just sell it because you're you're somebody with a uh, hundred positive reviews at one hundred percent or ninety nine percent or something. Yes, yeah, so every, everything is terrible. <sighs> Okay, what was the thing before that? Oh, gray market cameras. So you, yeah, so I was looking for lenses, and the thing is, like, lenses are, like, especially with Sony, because they're kind of newer, 
like they're kind of expensive uh, relative to like most of the Canon stuff out there. Um, but I was like looking, okay, where, where might I be able to get this cheaper? And I was looking on Amazon, but the thing is almost all the ones, even if they claim to be new from sellers with quote unquote, good feedback, um, they are international versions or ones imported from Japan, which means they have zero U.S. warranty. So if it's if it like fails in two months, you are completely out of luck. Oh, that's that's crappy. Well, that's but that's like your Logitech thing. If you if that thing, I don't like you've had it for like a year now, so it doesn't matter. Right. But if it had failed, Logitech would have been like, yeah, you this you see that UK power plug? Yeah, that's not a product that we support. Amazon Logitech U.S. is not going to do anything about that. Huh. I had not. Yeah, I had not considered that when I bought it. Yeah, tricky. But again, you, you've had good luck with it. So the moment that you see that on sale again, please text me because I uh, <laughs> I still have this. I did not realize my Logitech One is uh, seven years old now and still working like a champ on the original battery. Hmm. Um. Oh, so getting the, the TV cheaper. Oh my God, this is so hard to follow. Okay. So there was a Black Friday promo. So like once you had texted me a really upsetting thing while I was on a, I was on a Thanksgiving day run. I was trying to get my Apple, but Apple watch badge. And then like, as I, <laughs> right as I ended my run, you texted me a thing saying you bought it. And I was, I was so upset. Like I was like, literally like really, really mad. Cause I was like, you monster. Cause like the week before you had, you had just made this whole speech of why you weren't going to get it until you moved or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you hashtag you monster. Yep. Um, so then afterwards, so I was looking at like, I'm like, okay, let's look at B&H. Cause like, I, again, I was already considering a camera. So like, I like, why not give them more of my business? Um, LG was doing a rebate where if you bought an LG V30, like their premium Android phone that apparently is having trouble selling, um, you, if you bought it from B&H or one of the major carriers, you could get up to $400 off in a rebate if you buy any other high-end LG product. So one of those products is the LG C7 OLED TV. So I ended up buying an LG uh, phone I don't actually want for the sole purpose of reselling it so I can do a rebate to get that money back. Huh, okay. Yeah, that's all right. So that's, that's 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 smart. See, that, kind of is it? What's tricky? Well, so what's tricky about that though is, so you you bought the TV from B and H. Yes. See, what's tricky is purchases like that. I I really don't like to make online, just because if something's wrong out of the box, I what what horrific process do you have to go through? Well, so hold, to return a TV online. So again, I don't. I you should not remember this, but uh, like eight years ago when i bought my panasonic plasma tv i think i sent you a picture of the fact that it was it was shattered on delivery oh my oh my gosh i totally remember that oh i was (laughs) i was so crestfallen because i was like i I was so happy for it um oh my gosh yeah i do remember that uh, because you know plasmas you can't lay on their side so i assume ups whatever laid like, it on its side yeah they're probably one of the trucks back then had the the original taylor swift album on the side of it <laughs> um so yeah but bnh is good and bnh contracts they don't just send it through ups they send it through like some logistics company so it uh it came in a reasonable amount of time and it was totally fine so okay, it, it did pay off and like after ebay fees and stuff i think i end up 
like that kind of ended up being like a $200 discount on the TV. Okay. Yeah, not bad. So to rewind this 15 minutes, I think I was saying turn down the OLED light on the TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the whole point of that. I think I, I think I might have done that, but maybe not enough. Yeah, you got to turn it way, even though it seems like you would be basically eliminating four-fifths of the brightness, it's not. It's, the screen is still very bright. Mm-hmm. All right, and then I want to know about your experience mounting it, because I know oh. you had kind of harebrained scheme is the wrong term, but you had su- you had suspected that you could like salvage your existing mount by moving some stuff around, and I want to know if this panned out and what happened. It, it it did pan out. I mean, ultimately, it's it's about an inch higher than the the Samsung TV was, which isn't ideal. I, I wish it was just at the same level, but. It, after the the last week, I've I've mostly gotten used to it, so that's that's been fine. The um, the issue that we had with well, two issues, one which was an experience even just taking it out of the box and putting it on its stand is it's just a, it's a it's a terrifying TV to handle because mm-hmm. it's just so thin. You can't even hold it from the bottom, right? And there's just there's no bezel, and there's like all these big bold images telling you not to touch any part of the screen. So it's just it's a very it's just a very difficult piece of tech to like manage. So that that's that's one thing. And then the second thing is this TV stand the the, the TV wall mount which we have which is the wire cutters pick worked great for that Samsung TV. We we put it right on and it was straight and we made a couple little adjustments and it was good to go. But for some unknown reason it it the OLED was just was tilting to the side when we put it on. Hmm. And just like it's you know it's supposed to have all these adjustments which we we tried doing and really couldn't get to work and so we ended up taking it back off the mount which again I mean it was it was terrifying enough putting it on the mount once then we had to take it back off the mount and now it wasn't even back on the stand like it was before um, and then made some adjustments when it was off the bracket on the wall and then put it back on and it it was still crooked initially but then we ended up kind of messing with it some more and it's it's like mostly straight now i don't think it's it's perfect but it's it's fine um but yeah wall mounting a tv is just it's it's got to be like the most unpleasant thing to do in technology it's risky because the like there is it's not that you can't redo it but because you're drilling into a wall and also among other things like it's 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 uh it's uh what's what's the word harrowing thank you how'd you know yeah i I, we we know each other pretty well i mean honestly the 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 bigger concern was just (laughs) breaking the tv i mean really like well no because the box and the manual both like basically like there's six diagrams and only one of which is the correct way to hold the tv right and but all of them have like this weird like uh like shattered glass uh (laughs) illustration you're like oh shit right no we were and you know we were we were careful through the whole process and so i there was at no point in the process that I was like, oh, no, I think we just did something wrong. But still, like, turning it on for that first time and just making sure it still worked properly was a relief. Yep. And you get to watch some uh, hyper-compressed ESPN on it. Oh, so, so the, the, <laughs> I would say that I would say so far I've, I've been been very happy with the TV. I like Star Wars, which I mentioned we watched, which is not in 4K, which oh, is terrible, uh, still looked... <laughs> still looked i mean it looked really really good on the tv um would have looked better if it was in 4k but anyway 
Um, but the, the one thing is having a nicer quality TV now just further highlights how shitty Comcast is. Like the, the quality it's is everything. Cute. It's getting recompressed all over the place. Comcast is one of the worst offenders in terms of hyper compressing. Well, kind of okay, stuff. okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't point the finger at Comcast. Maybe I should, maybe it's just a cable TV. Thing, well, then also but. think about the way that Disney. So, um, like the mothership, the mouse ears, like they have ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, all that kind of stuff. All of those, ever since the inception of those channels, they are still 720p. Wow. And then when you when you factor in that from the satellite going to Comcast, Comcast hyper-compresses it because they want to fit more channels. And they have to, they have to um, balance bandwidth for like gigabit internet over coax. Like, like there's just not enough bandwidth to go around. So therefore, yeah, that's becoming it's just like it's like watching 56k video in real player in like 1998 so this is totally i think just the end of net neutrality conspiracy theorist in me (laughs) but i but i swear that nbc looks way better than espn or really like any other channel so it depends because like kind of an unwritten rule of comcast or this could be completely wrong and maybe this was cox communications but what they will do, and I don't think it's actually—I don't think that's a bad strategy—is they will compress certain channels less during times when they think more people will watch. So, like if you're watching ESPN or if you're watching um, NBC when it's like Sunday Night Football or whatever, I think maybe that's less compressed than other times. But that could be out-of-date information, or that might be a a, a different provider. Got it. Okay, so that was your mounting experience. And then you also had mentioned you are uh, doing something uh, interesting. You have, a, you have a new sound strategy. Oh, yeah. We, so we had a, a Vizio soundbar, which was, again, the wire cutters. Um, I No, actually, maybe I don't know if I should put this on the wire cutter. I don't remember if I just bought it because um, it was on sale or something. I, I actually don't remember exactly what prompted me to buy this particular soundbar. But it was a, a Vizio unit that we got for i think $120 $130 and it was one of the you know basic soundbar with wireless subwoofer sets and within the first week or something after we had it we would notice that it would occasionally give off this static sound and the only way to get that to go away would be turning off the speaker and turning it back on sometimes turning it off unplugging it from the power in the wall plugging it back in and then turning it back on it it never really worked that well. It, it didn't really sound all that great. Like it was definitely an improvement from the built-in TV speakers, but not dramatically so. Um, so when we kind of redid the whole TV setup with the OLED, we just decided to, to get rid of that thing and just use the the built-in TV speakers, which, as you and I were chatting about offline, you know, kills the tech nerd inside of me a little bit. I mean, I, th- I think my dad and I set up our first surround sound system when I was 11 or 12 years old, and I thought it was just like the coolest thing ever. And I, I've I've always thought that sound is kind of an underrated part, especially of a mu- movie viewing experience. Like people really focus on the picture quality, which is the most important thing, but I think sound is almost equally important. And so, again, it, it sort of kills me just to be living with the built-in TV speakers. But at this point, if I wanted to come up with another external sound solution, I would want to get, you know, the Sonos Play Bar or the the Bose thing that you have, something that's, you know, actually higher quality. But it just doesn't make sense for us because we're in this one-bedroom apartment and 
were really, really conscious, quiet people, you know, that's because we, we live in a super old building where the walls are paper thin and you can hear everything. And like, we just, you know, we're, we're very conscious of that. So it's very kind of you. That's a very rare trait. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, you know, it, it just it just doesn't really make sense to go out and spend seven hundred dollars on a soundbar, especially because when I think ahead, you know, my plan really is when we move is to to go full on you know five point one or seven point one because as good as these soundbars are, I mean it, it's there's only so much they can do, and what, and what you really want is a full you know surround sound setup. Sure. So so I I, I desperately want one of those soundbars, but I I I just I don't know it just doesn't seem like doesn't seem like we'd get much use out of it is there a price point at which like some fire sale um put in a a chapter picture of tobias um uh where like a a, a, like a fire sale refurb play bar gets cheap enough where you're like okay i'll I'll deal with this or you're pretty committed yeah maybe yeah maybe all right well i think that's it for oled other than that then i i i i I thank you for pushing. It's it's really good. Yeah, I mean it's it's a really really good TV. Yeah, there, there's yeah there's a lot of stuff where just I don't know, like I know it sounds like the world's most uh, non problem problem, but just like being taken out of something you're watching just because you're like ah oh, this backlight bleed or like this this this, the back, this background is unnecessarily gray because oh it looked just standard LED LCD technology can't display this properly is really is really upsetting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then rounding out this kind of stuff, uh, do you have any recommendations for some uh, dark content? So, that, I mean, it's, you know, I I joked with you off air that, I, that that could be read a couple of different ways. And I think when I first read that in, in your notes, I interpreted that as dark in content. <laughs> no, we, we've talked about this actually quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I have a pick, I think, that actually fulfills dark in terms of light and in terms of tone, which is a recommendation I made on this show before, which is Stranger Things. It's it's on the it's on the promotional material for this TV. It is. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, what else, though? I, I, I don't want to watch that. Every, literally, everybody's recommending it, but I think I'm going to hate it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to hate it. Well, I mean, watch the pilot, and it, I mean, the, it's a really good pilot. So if if you instantly hate it, then you know you're you know you, you don't don't watch it anymore. It, it's not a, it's not one of those shows where you know people go, oh well, you know you got to give it like six or seven episodes, and then and then it's good. It's 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 good. It's good. It's good off the bat. Is that your Nate Silver impersonation? <laughs> um, yeah, I. Mm. I mean, tr- I mean, it's it's it's. You're a Netflix subscriber. It's not costing you anything extra to watch the pilot. I would just do that. Yeah, maybe. But then it's gonna that's gonna mess with my view history, and they might judge me for it. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. That's not not now. That's <laughs> later. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. And then my 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 recommendation for this is going to be a show that's similar to Stranger Things. I guess is feels like it was maybe sponsored by LG, where you're like, <laughs> and they're like, we're just gonna make this TV program where it's gonna be upsetting for anybody to watch it on a TV that doesn't have. Excellent black levels, and that's going to be my um, my chef special from a few weeks ago, uh, Mr. Robot. Also very heavy on gray and like contrasty pictures where um, a underperforming black level TV would be very upsetting to watch on. Mm-hmm. All right. What else? What else? What else? Oh, yeah. You, I don't know if this was a, a false alarm or if this is the real deal, but apparently there's something that plays podcasts on the Apple Watch now 
Yeah, I mean, this just came out today, and I, I haven't used it yet, so more to come, I guess. But it's it's Workouts Plus Plus, which I've heard of before, but have never actually used. Um, but but know that it's one of the more popular third party uh, workout apps for iOS slash WatchOS. And yeah, they they put out a big update today that fully supports iOS 11 and WatchOS 4. And a big feature, which seems just like perfectly catered to me, is the ability to either download podcasts or stream podcasts through the the app. Again, I have no insight into how this works or how well it works. I, I fully intend on on testing that sometime between uh, now and next week's show. So I'll I'll, I'll report back. But um, very very exciting if this actually works well. Because I mean, this listening to podcasts while I work out, I know much to your chagrin, is exactly what I'm looking for. So this this seems this seems like the perfect solution. Not not to my chagrin, it just perplexes me. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the only thing I will say about this that that is kind of interesting is that this is a workout plus plus, and all of the plus plus apps are made by somebody named underscore David Smith, or that's his like name everywhere, but his name is David Smith. Uh, as one might one might imagine, uh, he's one of uh, Marco's close developer friends. Oh, I didn't didn't know that, and I find that kind of interesting since since Marco was very adamant that he felt that in its current state, podcast listening on the watch could not be done in a um, satisfactory manner. So, not that I think there's like some kind of like weird like slight thing there. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I hope it, I hope it's good. Yeah, because that me does too. seem like a. Like a really valid use, not not during workouts, but uh, a very valid use case for the watch. It's yeah, it's 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 very it's very confusing to me that there's no native podcast support. Yeah, but <sighs> um, actually no, let's let's okay. I, I got one quick thing, or actually two quick things related to this. Uh, there's an update to to WatchOS that just came out that does for me only one thing that is actually kind of a cool improvement. You have what is your middle complication? Because you use the modular watch face, right? Right. What what is the one that's like in the middle, middle uh, third? What weather? So that one shows you the city, right? Yes. Did you update to WatchOS two or WatchOS four point two? Yes. Is that city now in italics? No. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> Yours is. It is because I use the one that's sunrise and sunset, which I know perplexes you. Um. But it is now. That's so weird. So is listening to podcasts while running. Jeez, I can't <laughs> concentrate on anything. Um, but yeah, now it, it it is, and that makes me so happy. Like aesthetically, it is just so nice. I love it. Okay, so I, I've um, changed my middle complication to sunrise sunset. The only appropriate middle complication. But it it it's not yet showing the city or the times yet. So I guess it's loading. So maybe, um, maybe at some point by the end of this episode, <laughs> I'll put something on Slack. And again, by sometimes by the end of this episode, it'll be there. Oh, here we, there we go. Oh shit, I gotta exercise some more. Let me... I hate missing my goal by ten percent. I know, I know. But yeah, I, I enjoy the uh, the italics. I think I think it's a very nice uh, change. Huh. I've I've been meaning to speaking of that mental complication, give that uh, carrot app the carrot weather app a try. <sighs> Well, because so what turned me off initially was... The sassiness. Right. But apparently you can turn that off, which I only found out recently. 
so knowing that I'm, I'm i'd be willing to give that a try hmm. but then what advantage does it have over uh, weather underground actually isn't that its data source as i don't the weather underground at least for a while the the watch app was terrible i guess i haven't checked back in on that for a while maybe it's gotten better uh, and the, to go back a little bit, the, the one reason I brought up the watch in the beginning, in the first place, is there was an incident early or late last week uh, where I left my watch at home and I had to go back and get it because I use it too much, and that's and that was actually kind of a interesting insight for me. See, this is where if I, if I was a better podcast producer, I would go back into the archives and find conversations that we had back when I had the Pebble. And you repeatedly telling me how useless having a smartwatch would be. I don't and think I've ever telling said that. you. Nope. Oh, no, nope. that. Because mm. remember, back in the day, uh, you, your show descriptions were not very detailed. Oh, hey, easy, easy. Uh, I, I, I kid, I kid. Um, but I don't think that's a, that's ever. I don't think that's ever been my um, perspective. I think what I was saying was that like getting email on your wrist and, and stuff like that. Because like I think when the Pebble came out, they and kind of like the first generation of the Apple Watch, where they really tried to make it seem like you'd be doing way more on your wrist other than just passive notifications. And I think that if I was going to be critical about that, that would have been the reason. Hmm. But yeah, like here, like I was one before the Apple Watch, I was not really somebody who wore a watch. I had well, like the Nike Fuel Band and some other things, but I never really wore um, a traditional watch. And yeah, I, I left it at home and I kept glancing at my wrist and there was nothing there. My pocket was vibrating like I'm some kind of person living in 2012. And I couldn't set timers. So it was really, it was really a strange experience. Yeah, I become very dependent on my Apple Watch. It's, it's um, obviously not as critical as the iPhone itself, but it's, it's definitely, definitely a, a piece of that now. The one thing I will say is I don't want someone to misinterpret that as saying i think the apple watch is a great pro like I, the fact that it's essential does not mean it's great right yeah like it it, it is it's fulfilling it's filling a need and it, it actually it does a lot of what it does after much refinement is is very important but i also think like anything I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm trying to be negative about this, but I, I just think the fact that it's that crucial is not necessarily a testament to Apple, but more that it's a product that needed to happen and it does a lot of what it should competently. Yeah, I that's think that's a, a good summary of where Apple Watch is. Yeah. They have they one day they have to actually do something about watch faces, right? What making them more Useful. available to <laughs> <laughs> having there be literally more than two usable ones because as of right now modular and chronograph are the only two that are usable and the other one is mainly just because i like how it works as a stopwatch yeah yeah okay uh and then the last bit of follow-up ishness is is going to be um flickr released their annual list of uh top cameras and uh smartphones dominate it as one might expect and I don't know why that seemed to make the rounds on a lot of websites this week. Um, well, I, I guess it's just because it, I mean, I don't know, I guess it, it validates a, a kind of a, a longstanding assumption that phones are becoming people's primary camera. Well, yeah. 
So I, I don't know. That's it's it's interesting to actually have numbers to back that up now. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and that is a, again we we've talked about it at length. Apple that is the one of the things where they have just relentlessly iterated every single generation, and it just keeps getting better and better. And like, yeah, the um, the the iPhone is, and and most modern smartphones uh, are as good. Well, actually, they're a billion times better. But but in terms of picture quality. They're as good as most point-and-shoot cameras, and due to the fact that it's integrated into something that you have to have, uh, it's it's a billion times more useful. So, yeah, pretty great. I think what's notable, too, is, is specific to the iPhone, where this uh, TechCrunch article, which we'll put in the notes, says that uh, the iPhone made up um, uh, 54% of the top 100 devices. So I guess that's across various iPhone models. And the top 10 devices of 2017 were all iPhones. That doesn't make sense, because ha- haven't there only been nine iPhones? Oh, I guess they're including plus models. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. And also, it's, it's I don't know, it's weird that Flickr is still releasing that kind of stuff, because nobody uses Flickr anymore. What What is everybody using now? I don't know. That's actually something for a future show that we should talk about. <laughs> like, for me, it's basically Instagram. Like, I don't understand where... Because like nobody looks at Flickr anymore unless you're like a super big photography nerd, but then you're only showing your pictures to other photographers. Like I don't, I don't, you know. Because like where, oh Lord, where do your friends share pictures? It's Instagram and, and Facebook, right? Right. And sometimes people use Snapchat, but I think you're still off that. You, you're still you never climbed onto that bandwagon. No, of course not. Good, good. Okay, I think there's some time for some actual news. Maybe, maybe. What is that news potentially? I mean, kind of a slow week. I mean, we the couple of things to choose from, I guess. There's the iMac Pro getting a release date. There's Johnny Ive coming back into a managerial role. There's the Shazam stuff. I mean, nothing, I don't know, nothing super big this week, but a, a handful of, uh, I guess, as you would say, sort of mid-tier news stories. Yeah. Okay, let's 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 uh, just do like a quick thing about most of the Apple stuff. Okay. So, the Johnny Ive thing, I don't think is that important. I mean, because so he, I and and the the reason why in in the like the the topic list or whatever, I, I put in like in question marks. The thing is, I still I looked and I don't know what his actual title is right now. Yeah, I don't know if it because remember he became chief design officer right when they moved him out of his yeah. So I, I don't. I guess he's just holding on to that title with increased response of managerial responsibilities. I guess. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. That that sounds. Um, let me see. Apple. Apple.com slash leadership. Uh. Yep. Nope. Jonathan Ive is still chief design officer. Yeah. Okay. Um. Which you know, I I think the only reason I I think this is maybe news is because obviously there was all that speculation. A couple of years ago, when the when the change was made to become chief design officer, that maybe that was a sign that Johnny had kind of like one foot out the door and was kind of readying for his departure. And this this now seems to to suggest that that was not the case, and that it really was just about him being focused on Apple Park and some of the Apple retail store transformation stuff. And now that Apple Park is done, and and the transformations to Apple stores or what are we calling them now? City centers, town squares, town squares, town squares. <laughs> um, is, is, you know, the design phase of that's done and that's actually being rolled out. You know, he 
he now has a lot more time to to go back to uh, his his day job. So I, I don't know. It's that that's the only reason it seems to be maybe significant is that he's seems like he's in it for the long haul still. Which which is good because well, and and the one weird thing is like he's one of those figures. He's kind of like a Steve Jobs ish figure where it's his his role and his influence is indeterminate. Where you kind of because of like his like larger than life personality is probably the wrong way to describe it. But like kind of like he's his reputation kind of makes it seem like he touches every part of everything that Apple releases. So I think the fact that he's back kind of just makes people curious about where things might be headed and perhaps maybe are the past two years worth of products. And again, we we know that a lot of stuff happens way, way in, in, in like ahead of time. So saying that the iPhone 10 was maybe entirely somebody else's doing or like much of the product vision and leadership wasn't his, like it's probably maybe not right, but just wondering kind of how things maybe will be different or how much uh, influence he will um, exert on future design decisions and whether that's a good thing or a uh, not so good thing. Kind of with the complaints or questions about Apple's design direction over the past couple of years. Yeah, I don't know. See, I kind of assume that even without his managerial responsibility, that he had just about the same level of oversight of design decisions. So I'm I'm not really sure how much is going to change. Like, I'm not really sure he ever left that part of the job. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's that's entirely possible. Because I mean, he shoot. He, I mean, he's still even featured in the design videos at keynotes and stuff. Is he? Yeah. I mean, he, well, he well, he was, he definitely was with the iPhone 10. There may have been some period of time where he wasn't, but definitely with the iPhone 10, there was a a Johnny I video. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Quite possible. Um. So yeah. So so well, welcome back, Johnny. And then other Apple stuff. Well, actually, so there was a a fairly in interesting sort of uh interview with phil schiller in a british magazine called t3 i think um and it was a really uh, the link i sent you do you know was that the original interview yes it was in a it was written in a really strange way where it was kind of like hey we said something and then here's what what phil said well yeah they they didn't they they didn't provide a transcript it was very much like a you know a cliff notes version of the interview so the, yeah, I mean the interview was very. Um, it seems like everything they it asked him was teed up in the world's most positive way, which I'm not here to complain about that. But I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, they uh, so Tim or sorry uh, Phil Schiller like he he touched upon a lot of things. He talked about um, AirPods, the iPhone 10, specifically Face ID. Uh, he talked about the iMac Pro, and there were a couple of good pull quotes about the iPad Pro and, and what Apple thinks about that kind of stuff. But specifically, he, with with Face ID, he said some things that make it seem, well, and here's maybe something I was unclear about, and maybe you already thought this, but did you think that um, Face Touch ID was entirely dead? Um, yeah. Hmm. Maybe I was holding out hope that I thought they might do something more with it, but apparently the way Phil describes it is that it, this this is... Like we're we're trying to do we're trying to do the iPod Nano to the iPod uh, iPod Mini 
where we're trying to leapfrog it and kill our own product by making something that we think is way, way better, even though whether it is is debatable. But apparently, yeah, his thing is that they are wholesale doing away with Touch ID as, as the existing product generations fade out. And that is the new thing that has to work just as well, which as it right now sounds like it doesn't. Well, I mean, but I, I honestly, I've, I've said this a couple of times, I think now, really, I think this, I, I the timing is maybe a little up in the air, but I, I could totally see this for 2018's phone with, you know, Face ID 2, um, it, it being pretty darn good. Because, like, Face ID, it's close. It just, it, it needs to be a little faster, and it needs to have slightly better range, you know, meaning... You could have the phone at a little bit more of an extreme angle and have it still work. If, if they can continue to improve that stuff, which I'm sure they will, then, you know, Face ID, Face ID's, it, it's much closer to being a Touch ID replacement than I thought it would be. It's not yet, but it's, it's getting there. Hmm. That sounds quite a bit more positive than two weeks ago. Um, I don't, I don't mean it to be. I don't, I don't think my impressions have dramatically changed. I, I think that's what I've been saying. Is it's it's good but not great, but I think it it's on it. I think there's a clear path for it to become great. Okay, so do you think that would you say over the past couple of weeks or having lived with the phone for you've had it for almost a month, right? Right. Would you would you say you have either it has gotten better or you have adapted not like not in a not in a super negative way, but do you think it it's better than like day one? Like have you have you learned to not do the types of things that would cause it to fail where your success rate overall is, do you think like week one versus week four is, is quite a bit better or is it probably still the same? It's probably about the same. The issue for me has never really been that it, it fails. It really has only done that a couple of times. The issue is it just doesn't always fire. Hmm. You know, like all, you know, sometimes it, it ha- it's that perfect experience where you lift the phone, the screen wakes, you flip up, authorization's already happened, and you're good to go. Like, that happens a, a fair bit of the time, but what happens a lot also is you flip flip up, and it's like, oh, shit, yeah, I have to do Face ID, and then it br- brings up the Face ID thing, it does it quickly, and then, then unlocks the phone. And that, that use case specifically is where, again, it, it's working reliably, but it's just not, it's not quite as fast as, as Touch ID. But again, like I've said before, I mean, Touch ID went through the same type of iterative process where Touch ID 2 was a lot faster than Touch ID 1. And I I fully expect Face ID to ha- go through the same evolution. <laughs> but but I mean, yeah, I, I don't think Apple replacing Touch ID with Face ID across their entire product line is in any way shocking. I mean, th- clearly the next major revamp of the iPad will have Face ID clearly the next re- major revamp of the MacBook Pro will have face ID. I mean there's this is this is just the direction that's going. So I'm not trying to put you on the spot and make you play Johnny Ive, but how do you, how do you foresee touch ID or face ID working on the iPad since the orientation you might be uh using the device is could could be 90 degrees different. I think that's that's a good question. I think that would be an argument for maybe Face ID not coming to the iPad until something like a Face ID 2, which in addition to being faster, might also offer the ability to work horizontally. Okay, sounds fair. 
Uh, he also talked about the iMac. Well, so going off the iPad, uh, when he was talking about the iMac Pro, he said something that you actually um, you made a pull quote for, saying, "What we've learned, truthfully, is that it's both, and it depends on the user. For some people, iPad Pro is a replacement for their computer. Not that you throw away your computer. People don't often do that." Which seems fairly uh, like uh, I interpret that as being at odds with most of what their advertising suggests and kind of the way they ever since there was kind of like this reawakening of the iPad where they're kind of like, you know, okay, we care about this product again. I don't know. It it seems like they've been pushing really hard on the, okay, this, this could be your, this could and, or should be your full computer. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but maybe the whole Apple that is now going to redesign the Mac pro and is making this super expensive iMac pro that's for kind of a niche audience um, maybe they're softening up on that opinion, or maybe it's just because it's an interview where he was talking about the Mac and is not talking about the iPad that sells in a higher volume, even though it's maybe less than what they want it to be. Yeah, I, I was, you know, my initial reaction was like, wow, that's fairly candid. And that's, um, I'm surprised that he's sort of come around to that view. And so I was kind of quick to give him credit for that. But I, I thought you brought up the very fair point, which is that does seem to be sort of at odds with their marketing like even their recent marketing yeah that one that one ad they just did where some like the whole thing is a one minute build up to some uh a teenager saying uh what's a computer when she somebody asks her like what she's doing on her ipad right although i mean i i don't know i i guess you you could make the argument that well you know the the woman featured in the ad is a use case of someone who could replace their computer with an ipad but then, but, but she like, knows that computers exist. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, but I think, I think that is a, I think that is a very, very fair view that the iPad can replace a computer for some people and cannot replace a computer for other people. Like that, that's that seems to be a very, a very reasonable position for the iPad. Um, it totally is. And sorry, let me see if I can find the other quote. Cause there was actually one that I actually thought like was maybe more, um, elucidating about that type of thing where he said, uh, the way you mostly hear about this is people say, I use my, uh, I use a computer at my desk or I use a notebook at my desk. But when I travel, I travel just with my iPad pro and it is so great in that situation that I actually don't disagree with. Like that is a much that's like a super fair and level headed way of dis of talking about that. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's just that incongruency with the advertising. Yeah. The 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 advertising piece, yeah, it is definitely what is a bit in in conflict with what he's saying here. Yeah. And the last bit of Apple stuff is there <laughs> there was a rumor that I linked to and then apparently was uh debunked uh, like twelve hours later. But actually, I think it's still like an interesting thought exercise. Is some um, I think it was called like Digi Music Day, or I forget what the hell it was. But um, somebody suggested that um, uh, the iTunes Music Store, like the legacy, like buy the track and buy the album store, was going to be wound down or like taken offline by 2019. And apparently, that's not happening. So I, I mean, I mean, let's be clear that that's totally going to happen someday. 2019 feels maybe a little too soon, so I think Apple's denial to a specific time frame is is probably accurate. But I mean, there's no way that 
iTunes downloads are going to be around indefinitely. Well, what are they going to do with Taylor? <laughs> well, no, or sorry, like, sorry, I should say, like, what are they going to do with Taylor Swift and Adele and kind of the, the uh, like, uh, 800 pound gorillas who are of music, of the music industry who are able to still say, Hey, for the first six months, you are paying thirteen ninety nine to buy this album. And then once we've gotten most of the money, uh, we will then entertain the idea of streaming royalties. Mm, I mean, yeah, that's a, it's a, yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a fair question. Um, I, but I don't know. I, I think, I, well, I think a, that that's one reason why the elimination of downloads is, I, is not something that I think is inevitable, but, but also I think that obviously the music industry is changing and evolving and perhaps by the time you know apple's able to eliminate downloads some of that stuff will have been worked out if michael buble made a third christmas album do you think he could swing making people pay for it oh definitely yeah would you pay for it oh i i probably would yeah right very well i i I was i was listening to his second christmas album this evening uh that's not the one with baby it's cold outside right or all the covers that's got to be the first one um how how did he leave that on the table or maybe he, he maybe he covered himself doing a cover <laughs> maybe maybe it's cover inception another movie i haven't watched yeah. <laughs> well you haven't you haven't seen inception no i've i've seen like four movies oh in, inception's a good one yeah isn't it it's, it's like two and a half hours uh yeah but it's got a good pace to it yeah maybe um, oh, gosh. Oh, well, uh, ooh, uh, ooh. and speaking of... Is that a dark movie? Uh, yeah, in, in, in spots. Making content in... So, well, so, what? so in spots, but uh, more importantly, uh, so none of Christopher Nolan's movies, Inception included, have been previously released in 4K, but on uh, December 19th, all of his movies are being re-released in 4K and HDR. I'm not sure what the iTunes situation is going to be, but they're at least they're coming out on um, disc in that format, which I'm I'm very very excited about. Although it turns out 4K movies on discs are I was about to horrifically ask. expensive. Oh, I was going to ask what's the compatibility situation like. Oh, what do you mean? Like, because oh, I assume when Blu-ray originally came out, 4K and HDR were maybe like thoughts in people's mind, but I assume like that. Well, because you have a PlayStation, so it probably doesn't even matter. But, like, isn't the format... I, I do not have a PlayStation. Don't you? No, I sold that a while ago. But the, 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 the PlayStation does not have a 4K Blu-ray player. The Xbox One S, which I do have, does. Got it. I don't think there's any sort of format, though. Well, there is, since apparently you can't watch 4K Blu-rays on a PlayStation. Well, but that's... It's literally just, like, there's a... Well, I think it's UHD, like the, the Ultra HD disc type. But I don't think they're... And you, and Wait, you, is, and is, you is it a, a different disc? Yes, yes. Does it like have a different laser? I, I, don't, I don't know that part of it, but it, it's, it's a different type of disc. But, it, it, but if you have a UHD player, you can play any UHD disc. Like there's not, there's not different types of... Um, uh. So if you have a UHD player like an Xbox One S, it'll play any UHD movie. Well, then, then what is Atmos? Atmos is Dolby's latest surround sound um, standard. I thought it was also video. Or I thought That's it was also Dolby some... Vision. 
See, there are definitely formats, and there's definitely probably some something. Well, but happening. but that's but Dolby but Dolby Vision is HDR, of which there are two standards. There's Dolby Vision and there's HDR10. But like our TV supports both, and I think also my understanding too is I think if you have a, uh, if you have a disc and or a TV that supports Dolby Vision, but then you have a TV that maybe only supports HDR10, it it just it falls back to HDR10. So it's not there's not really any sort of compatibility issue with these discs is what I'm trying to say, but they are they are incredibly expensive. It's like thirty or forty bucks a movie for this Christopher Nolan collection. Jeez, yeah, it's not, it's not cheap. Yeah, straight out of the Disney Vault, <laughs> right? <laughs> Do Fox movies go in the Disney Vault now? Uh, did that officially close? No, it's about to for apparently sixty billion dollars. Jeez. Uh, uh, house to mouse. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, quickly. Apple purchasing Shazam for four hundred million dollars. Talking about lots of money. I don't get why. I don't get why they can't just license it. Or I, I, I just because basically it, my understanding is that Shazam is the music recognition service, and then there's also kind of a weird social network that clutters up the app. And I know Apple's had kind of a weird history with music social networks. Like, what is what is the alleged upside or the the proposed upside here? I guess a lot. Some people have been speculating on the data that Shazam has, and that being potentially useful. I, I presume for Siri. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't. But can't. They, but don't don't they? Can't they get a whole bunch of data from the fact that they run a subscription music service? Well, and and or for maybe from the fact that there's already like a Siri, um, uh, Siri Shazam integration. Exactly. So yeah, like like like, how on earth is it cheaper than just licensing it? Yeah, I, and I also, know. are are they going to pull this off Android now? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's another that's another question that's out there that I, I don't think we that we don't have an answer to yet. Yeah, I mean, the story's a little weird too, in the sense that I guess Shazam's latest round of funding prior to the acquisition had valued them at like close to a billion dollars. So this is a huge drop from that. So I don't I don't know if there was something to the timing of this too, where shazam was maybe looking at some other exit strategy and apple was worried that if like google bought them or something that they would then lose out on the integrations i i I don't know it's hard to hard to say yeah uh i think we got two uh, two final things in here do you uh, did you have anything about the amazon key thing um we'll, we'll put that washington post review in the um in the notes it it's kind of i don't know it, it's sort of what you would expect it to be where it's very amazon focused doesn't really work very well as just a general smart lock which is kind of not something i had considered where like i'm super interested when you know i own a home someday of, of having a smart lock but you you'd want it to be a really good device not just for amazon but for guests and for potentially other services and yeah i hadn't considered that well yeah if amazon makes a device it's really just going to be focused on making amazon's experience good and 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 nobody else's which seems like a huge drawback so maybe you can clarify something for me i thought the amazon key thing was just them bundling like two like bundling an already existing smart camera and an already existing lock 
Like, are the is this like actually an in-house Amazon product? So this is, I guess there's, what I didn't realize before reading this Washington Post article is I guess there's a couple of different um, hardware vendors that they're using for the smart lock. But my understanding of reading that article is that the software is completely controlled by Amazon. Like, it's an Amazon app that you're controlling the smart lock through. Oh, God. Yeah. And I or think, just based off the the uh, the Lady in the Can app, uh, that does not bode well. Which is still not not updated for iPhone 10. Shame on Amazon. Uh, oh, God, we got to talk. No, actually, no, we don't. Uh, did I already tell you that my iPhone's broken? No. Yeah, the camera, the, the lower left of every picture I take is blurry. Oh, nice. And, I'm a, and I don't know what to do. Buy an iPhone 10. But here's the thing: I can't do that because I can't resell this iPhone. Like the resale value is gonna be horrible if I'm gonna be honest about it, and I'm not a bad person. You might be. You, you actually might be surprised. I can't take a gamble and say like, okay, the only thing wrong with this, and hopefully you can fix it, and then I get like two hundred fifty dollars for a phone I maybe could have otherwise gotten six hundred for. Oh well, yeah, that's that's true. So I don't know what I'm gonna do because I and, and the thing is, if I did resign myself to buying a new iPhone, I'm pretty sure I'd get an eight really hmm. i use uh, that and that's why i kind of pushed on what you thought of face id because a lot of people like almost all the feedback is yeah it's still not that very it's not that good like you can't use it like while like lying down uh i've heard that's a huge problem and also just unlocking it without staring at it like and just sounds bad where i think i would just get an eight so i can get the faster processor and slightly improved camera Otherwise, I'll just find a way to get the seven repaired and just live with it for a year, like I was planning to already. But I don't know how much this is going to cost. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's a bummer. Anyway, I didn't drop it or anything. Just all of a sudden, some of the some of the Apple repair costs are actually pretty reasonable. That that actually might be worth looking into as well. So I have. So there, if if you just have a cracked display, it's super reasonable. It's one hundred twenty nine dollars. If there is anything else wrong with it, at least as far as I've looked at. Uh, it's two hundred ninety nine dollars. Mm. So even though this is like a super not minor, but like it's just like the like it's not like I got it wet. Like the out of warranty fee if you completely submerged your phone and it's totally hosed, and this repair are the same cost. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um. And then the last thing I think actually did did you say what you had to say about the key thing? I mean, I, th- I think so. It, it's, you know, I, I was skeptical of it when it first came out and nothing in this Washington Post review <laughs> changed changed my mind about it. Yeah, makes sense. Oh, you can get it installed for free. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it comes, I guess, with some type of um, professional installation, which makes sense. I've I've looked at those smart locks before and installing them seems like a bit of a process. Like, not not ultra complicated, but... Also, definitely like a three-hour yeah house hunter type project. Right, right. Is Amazon key compatible with my front door? It's a front door. Okay. Well, no, no. I mean, yeah, that's. Oh, apparently there are different types of deadbolts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that's a that's a whole thing too. Interesting. Yeah, your door, front door is running the wrong firmware, <laughs> um, or hardware. <laughs> okay. Um, lastly, uh, there was there was an internet controversy about a Netflix tweet, which I actually think is fairly valid. So let me see if I have the tweet. Okay. So Netflix on the 10th tweeted uh, to the 53 people who've watched A Christmas Prince, whatever that is, every day for the past 18 days, who hurt you? Um, apparently it was widely shared, has 
340,000 likes on it or hearts. Um, but that's also a super sketchy and weird thing to do. Like, I, I know that's not what they intended to illustrate, but it's one of the things where I've actually thought about this at length, and I'm not sure if you have, where I'm sometimes nervous to watch things on, uh, like, video on demand. Like, sometimes, like, I don't, like, have you ever, do you, do you stay logged into YouTube when you're, like, in, into your Google account when you're, uh, like, browsing YouTube? Hmm. I, I can't really say I've thought much about it. Like, sometimes, like, I don't know, like, I will, like, <laughs> because YouTube, uh, especially on the uh, Apple TV app, like, it is very heavy on the recommendation stuff. So sometimes if, like, if you start, like, so, like, right now, my, um, my, uh, like, homepage, if I go to YouTube.com, is literally all just videos about the Sony camera I got, because I watched a couple of videos about it. But, like, that's, it's weird, and something that worries me is that, like, how, since everything is so algorithmic now, that if you stay logged in to something, uh, because they track literally every video you've watched, that that dramatically alters your, um, your recommendations for a very, very long time. And that's the thing where this, this weird tweet kind of highlights that Amazon or that Netflix is, uh, keeping track and what, and they can identify you, uh, very, very easily, uh, based off of what you watch and that you probably didn't think that they had that much, uh, that much data. Hmm. Yeah. I, th this, this tweet, which sparked this whole conversation is just in such poor taste on so many levels. It's, <laughs> It's just kind of incredible that this was e even allowed to happen in the first place. Well, cuz cuz at first blush like you th like this is probably like uh huh. like I don't I don't know what a Christmas prince is. Like is this like a Bridget Jones style movie? I I'm not sure. But like I mean it's sure it's kind of probably like a snarky kind of like uh this is this is amusing or this is like a hot take on pop culture or something, but yeah, the fact that they can think like who has like if if they could just like take a look at um and do a search for like a specific title like who has watched these two movies and we can draw some correlation like through that and they can get a list of every Netflix subscriber who's done that that's creepy as fuck yeah it 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 is and i you know i i mentioned when you asked the question earlier like i i i hadn't really thought much about it but certainly this tweet now is is making me think about it which yeah. is a, i'm sure is what Netflix does not want yeah, and like, and and just like going back to the YouTube thing, like you have like, I don't, whenever you're browsing Netflix, you see like the match percentage for you, and like sometimes I'm like I'm like I don't like this, uh, like I'm not sure I want to watch this because then that's going to screw up my recommendations. I don't yeah, know. that that I have thought of. Yeah. Uh so that's that's weird, and that like, and, and just like everything is like that. Like I don't know, like, and you know the whole thing with like internet advertising retargeting, where sometimes you'll be just browsing something like for shoes uh on the web and it's like you'll start getting facebook and instagram ads for it and you're just like oh then they're just watching me everywhere sweet mm -hmm. and it's really like literally exactly the product you were watching not just not just shoes in general literally the pair of shoes like i i do want those nike lunar racer sixes <laughs> but you know what uh no i'm not gonna buy them zappos because i know you're following me right yeah that's it all right chef special yeah do you want to do business do what do you want to doom a business? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, be careful. Be careful to whatever you recommend. Oh, man. I, I, I didn't realize we had that kind of sway. <laughs> we're, we're making 4K screensavers happen. Lumoid is no more. Yeah. Huh. All right, go for it. Okay. Um, so mine is a, um, 
a, a TV pick. I know you're always looking for some TV to watch. And we're, we're in the holidays. Canceled? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, when, once you say what it is, it's going to be canceled. Oh. See, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not picking up what you're putting down here. <laughs> um, it's the, the, the Holiday Baking Championship on Food Network. Ooh. It's, uh, ooh, who hosts it? Uh, it's actually so. Oh, so, so there's the 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 hosts they've had over the years have been a bit hit or miss. Uh, it, it was Bobby Dean at one point, which he was Paula Dean's son, right? He wasn't my favorite. Uh, the one that's doing it this year, I've I've really enjoyed. It's uh, Jesse Palmer. He was a NFL quarterback for a period of time, and now I think he's on maybe Good Morning America, like one of the morning shows or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's he's really good. Um, and, uh, this season, this season in particular has been excellent. Some, sometimes the quality of the contestants is also a little hit or miss, but the contestants on this year's event have been really, really good. And they've all been really likable too. So it's been, it's been hard, especially as they've kind of whittled it down to the last few here. Um, but it's, 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 it's a, it's a really good, it's a really good show and it's, it's, you know, it's fun to watch around the, the holidays and the, uh, the finale is this coming Monday, so if you if you want to get caught up, now's your chance. Okay, two questions about this: Is there an easy legal way to catch up on this? Well, I, man, because I, I, I think last time I checked, the Food Network app on Apple TV didn't work with Comcast. But I, I this is, but I, I'm pretty sure it's on demand, so you should be able to watch it through comcast's app but obviously just not on the apple tv you'd have to do it like on your ipad got it um and then also so if food network shows can go go one of two ways so is this i I know you're endorsing it but is this kind of like because like there's either like the like it's kind of a hokey like uh uh cutthroat kitchen style thing or is this actually like let's just try to make the best food and this is this is fun how much? How much of a game is there? It's it strikes a good balance where it, I mean it, it's totally a competition. I mean they're they're competing for fifty thousand dollars, but everybody seems to get along. Like the contestants are always kind of joking with each other. The host is joking with them. The judges poke fun at them. So I mean like it, it's it's very there's a very good nature about all of it. It's not. But there's no silly fake obstacles. Uh no. I mean there's there's like each week there's a challenge that they have to meet, okay. but it's but it's it's you know, it's not silly stuff, no. It's like a okay. it's like a particular type of dessert they need to make or particular types of ingredients they need to use. But nothing, you know, nothing like weird. Interesting. Half hour or an hour? Hour. Okay. Yeah, it it's it's really it's really good. Uh with we we look forward to it. There and there's different versions of it. There there was the Halloween baking championship before this. Uh, right after the holiday one, there's the kids baking championship, and then I think right after that, there's like the spring baking championship, and they're all you know they're all obviously a very similar format, but uh, and it's only seven episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's quick, quick to quick to catch up on. Got it. Um, and then you know, second, quick little second pick of the week, of course, has to be Star Wars, just because we're officially in Star Wars mode here with the new movie coming out on Friday. Very excited about that. More, I guess, more to say next week. And I'm, I'm probably, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really the type of person to be like ultra paranoid about spoilers. Like I'm not John Syracuse going through and setting like Twitter filters and stuff. 
But I definitely am the type of person where I think probably starting really like when I go to bed tonight, like when I wake up tomorrow, I'm I'm probably not really going to look much on Twitter or Facebook or anything until I've seen the movie on Friday night. Do you avoid the the trailers? I because those have been getting with all movies have been getting more like they give away a lot. So I I'm someone who historically has really, really, really enjoyed trailers and love watching them like over and over again. But with, yeah, with this movie, the second trailer in particular, people criticized for being a little too spoilery. In fact, the director came out and said, yeah, this is, this is probably not the cut I would have put out. Um, and I did watch that, but I ended up only watching it, twice right when it first came out and i haven't watched it since and that was like a couple of months ago so i've i've kind of forgotten a lot of what was in it got it so again i'm I'm not i don't take that to the extreme but um i think i think for these next couple days i'll probably kind of shut it down especially because the movie technically premieres tomorrow night around the world so i mean there's going to be people here like in the next you know eight to ten hours you start seeing it like through in like in europe and stuff so oh in in the u.s do they do the the thursday night showings yeah right is that a thing uh-huh. mm. yeah i think it's like it's like third i think it's thursday at 7 p.m in in lots of places so like in the uk it'll be you know like 11 a.m our time tomorrow people are going to start seeing it so yeah i'll probably just kind of keep keep off the the internet for the most part okay Putting the Chewbacca back in Christmas. <laughs> that's okay. right. All right. So I got. Uh, I have one pick of the week, but I also have one that's an overdue one from last week that I that I've totally forgotten. I, and I was kicking myself after the show was over because uh, because it, it's very timely and holiday specific. So for people who have a fourth generation or later Apple TV, uh, this this totally is brands and in, in interest of the show mixing. Uh, West Elm has a uh, high definition fireplace app for the Apple TV where it shows. Um, HD recordings of a fireplace, and of course, it's adorned with uh, uh, accents and furniture from uh, the West Elm Company, and it's actually pretty well done and cool. I've yeah, I've been meaning to to download this. I, I when you you sent this to me off air uh, last week, and I, I told the, told the lady friend about this, and she was very very confused by the concept. As as was I. Uh, like I. But, it it's like there's always like oh like somebody's like let's let's put a YouTube a 4K YouTube video up of uh, a fire like log burning and I was like yeah that's that's kind of silly but the fact that it, like there was there's West Elm products all over the place in it but not in a weird way I'm kind of like that's actually a really cute chair I kind of want to go buy that now well see but okay so, so it's, this it's is, super tastefully done but this is sort of problematic is because really what you want is just the fireplace so it looks like these these videos are sort of zoomed out further than you would want. But here's the thing with this: the black levels on this TV, it 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 works. It just it just it it just looks like you're in the room. <laughs> it does because with the lack of bezels, it's uh-huh. it's amazing. Huh. All right, so that's uh, that's one minor chef special. And the main one is actually going to be more of an abstract concept. Uh, it's donating to public radio or uh, media that you like. Yeah, I yeah I, I like that. I think this this time of year donating in general is is a good area to focus on. Yeah, so I mean, there's uh, I'm not big into the Patreons, or at least not a lot of the stuff that I enjoy kind of crosses with that. But no, there's a lot of stuff like Six Colors and Relay and Marketplace and NPR and um, uh, a whole bunch of things where I, I uh, 
yeah, it's, it's easy to just like to kick 10 bucks and just kind of, there's a lot of stuff that you get a ton of value for and that you're probably skipping through the ads uh, that you, that you should uh, definitely consider paying for. Yeah. That's I, I, I like that pick. Yeah. Also this show, <laughs> just saying, send Ryan, send Ryan a soundbar. Hey, hey, yeah, that'd be nice. Bose Corporation. <laughs>